There we go. Now am I on? Is that a little better? All right, so next Sunday there will be no Sunday service here. It's the day right after Christmas. You know, Christmas falls on different days every year. And we realize that a lot of people are going to be with family uh, over the weekend. And we also wanted to give our staff who put on the Sunday service uh, one Sunday off a year uh, to where they can be with their family as well. So I'll be posting a sort of a Christmas devotional message on our YouTube. Uh, and obviously, if you, you know, need uh, any sort of uh, just pastoral care, uh, next weekend, you just reach out to our, our pastors and our staff, our leaders. We are always here for you. So we will be um, starting then January 2nd. Uh, so we have a, a week off, and then we will start January 2nd right here. And um, the other thing that is the last, uh, so not only is it the last service of the year, this is the last service that we will live stream. Uh, so we are no longer going to live stream our Sunday services. Um, the, the main reason is, is because we've realized that, uh, that on Sundays, what we're really doing is really focused on those who gather in person. And so we really want to encourage that there is something special when you, when you kind of come here to have physical touch with somebody as you pray, to be in the presence of God with people and your community around you. And we really want to highlight that that's what Sunday service is really for. What we will be doing is we will be posting the sermons up after service on our YouTube page for those who cannot make it for that Sunday or for those who are volunteering with the children's ministry so that they can get caught up on, on those sermons. Um, uh, but if you are somebody who feels like, hey, I, I need to not be at service and I need to watch something uh, from my home on a Sunday morning, please contact us and we will uh, help you navigate how to, to do, do that. But uh, we are going to uh, kind of make a transition into January as well with that. So, um, and the you know, last thing, uh, did I catch it all? I think I covered it all. Oh, and I will tell you this, January 2nd when we come back, we're going to have some changes in how we do service that we're excited for that's going to help us together into the Word, into worship together. So you're definitely going to want to be here on time, uh, just so you know, on January 2nd, so that you see all the changes that we are going to make. I think we covered it all. All right, here we go. Oh, I know one last thing that I was asked just to mention. We all know that uh, we're getting together with families, and so COVID is still a very real deal. Uh, praise God that L.A. County is just really increasing their vaccination rate. And so, uh, so far, you know, things aren't as bad as it used to be in the past, but it could be. So we want to just encourage everyone to just take all the proper precautions. And then um, if you're going to be with family and out a lot of folks on January 2nd, just um, if, if you have any sick symptoms, obviously don't come. And that's just kind of something we've learned in this uh, era, right? So just on Sundays when we're gathering, we're going to continue to put our masks on. I test every week uh, before Sunday so that um, I feel good that I'm taking my mask off and all those kind of things. So uh, if you would just, I do it to serve all of us. Let's just serve each other and, uh, um, and honor that. So Okay. Si hablan español, entienden que pueden usar Zoom por la traducción. Gracias, Vero. Let's, let's give it up for Vero and Maite, who's translating today. All right, all right. 
Okay, we're ready for the word. It's getting colder here in Los Angeles, if you haven't figured that out last couple of weeks. I mean, I've never had to scrape ice off of my car window. I don't ever remember having to do that in L.A., and that was, what, last week that we had to do that. We had some rain. I know some of us really like this season. We like the rain. We like the cold. We like bundling up. We like getting our favorite hot drinks. I do not like this season at all. So I want it to be hot, uh, not cold. Uh, cold and, and rain, it kind of reminds me too much of suffering and pain. You see, those of you who are L.A. natives, you know, winter around here and a cold day, it's like going to Disneyland. It's like this abnormal experience that is just not normal. See, I, I was born in Ohio, and I spent my first 10 years of life in Ohio, and I absolutely hated the winter. It was so cold, and it was so long. It was just months and months of brutally cold weather. Uh, as a kid, you know, we couldn't do much. We would get all bundled up and try to go out in the, in the snow for a bit, but then you're just freezing. You can't feel your fingers, you can't feel your toes, you know, you got boogers that are freezing all over your snot. I mean, it's just, so I just remember we'd run inside and my parents would be like, what, get outside, but we're freezing, you know? So you're inside a lot. And I have memories as a child. I have a lot of good memories as a child, but I remember those winter months being inside a lot with family and the family dysfunction, a lot of anger and a lot of a fear of being punished uh, in those months. There was a lot of suffering in, in those months for me. There's a lot of suffering in this world. There is suffering that seems to last a long time, like a Ohio winter. You with me? I think we as a human species, as a human race, we groan under the many layers of suffering, the weight of suffering. Some suffering that hits us hard, it kind of, there's some suffering that hits us hard like in an instant. It's like we lose our job, or we have our heart shattered by someone we love, or we're a victim of random violence. Then there's the suffering that just doesn't seem to go away, like the constant subtle pain of loneliness, uh, or the constant just tension and issues with a dysfunctional relationship, or the loss of a loved one and the grieving that just seems to be endless, uh, the inability to feel financially secure, paycheck after paycheck, that, that just that suffering of grinding out the bills, or a chronic physical problem, like a chronic illness that just doesn't seem to go away. You know, I, I have shared before that my health for many years was the source of some of the most chronic, difficult suffering that I've ever dealt with, I still have to deal with it, but not in the severity, thank goodness, for many years. I just spent years on and off with stomach problems that would sideline me. And then after one uh, mission trip, it never got better. I went over three years with deep gut pain. Uh, it, I had this inability to hold anything down. I ended up losing 50 pounds in those three years. I got to the point where I could not look at myself in a mirror with the shirt off. And every day I had to sort of choose between if I'm going to uh, not eat and just be weak from a liquid diet or eat and then be in the bathroom all day with pain. And this suffering was just years. 
And then part of the suffering, not only was the, the, the problem with my body, but it was also I was a victim to a really bad healthcare system that did not care that they would take six months before the next appointment or giving me two months before a result of a test. Anybody know that suffering of being a part of a really bad healthcare system? You know what I mean? Um, and I would remember praying in these years, like, how long, God, before you can deliver me from this suffering? How long before I can be healed? And many times, God's answer was some version of endure. Endure, my son, endure. We are called in Scripture to endure the sufferings of this life. And my prayer today is that we will all be able to walk out with a greater clarity on how we can endure the sufferings. That we would know exactly how we can endure in a better way the sufferings that are in our life. The scripture that we are going to center, that's going to center our time today, comes out of the book of Romans, chapter 8. And so if you are able, would you please stand to honor the reading of God's word? Romans, chapter 8, verse 17. We're going to start there, chapter 8. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. I'll read it from up here. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for gathering us here. We thank you that our, your spirit is present. We thank you for meeting us in musical worship. And we, God, we now just say we are ready to hear you speak to us through your word. These words that have been read, they are not just words on a screen or a piece of paper. They're yours, inspired by your spirit, that we would know you. That we would know how to have life that only you offer us. Come, Jesus. Open up our hearts. Remove the apathy. Remove the distraction. Remove anything that would keep us from hearing you. We need you today, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. All right, you're going to have a seat. We have just read some of the richest verses in our Scripture. There's no way that I'm going to be able to mine all of the gold that can be found here. So I encourage you to meditate on Romans chapter 8 throughout this week. We have been on it for a few weeks now because it's just so rich. It is a great chapter of Scripture to carry with us in the midst of the sufferings of our life. Verse 17, where we start, is a hinge verse. So for many verses, Paul has been talking about the suffering of sin and how rampant it is and how we're to overcome sin. He ends by exhorting us to live in this faith that we are not to identify with our sin. We are not children of sin. We are to own up to it, but we are to identify with him that we are his children and that he has us in a whole lifetime plan of transformation. But then he says in verse 17 that even though we're children of God, we must still share in his sufferings. This is the hinge point. And so he pivots right there. He says, yes, even though you are with Jesus, even though God's favor is upon you, his mercy, you still must suffer. If you ever hear preachers on TV tell you that if you give your life to Jesus, you will never suffer again, that you'll you'll always have health, you'll always be rich, show them Romans 8, verse 17, where he says, even though we must still share in the sufferings that Jesus himself shared in. So he, he pivots to talking just about sin to now talking about the general suffering that all of us must face from disappointment to injustice to racism to greed to natural disaster to broken relationships to physical illness and death. From verse 18 to 30, I'd like to present to you three different ways that we are told to endure suffering and hardship. I want you to turn to somebody and say, you can endure. Here we go. First, verse 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. What we suffer now in this lifetime is nothing compared to the glory that God will reveal to us later. What He's saying is that we can endure all of the suffering in this lifetime when we remember and put our hope in the glory that has been promised to come. Paul compares this glory in verse 22 to childbirth. Did you notice that? This is a very powerful example. What he is saying is that you think of the worst suffering you could ever experience. You take the intensity of that suffering, and when you finally get through that suffering, and you cross into heaven, and you stand in the glory of heaven someday, and you have crossed from the realm that we live in here that is full of sin and pain and death and brokenness, and you finally are in this realm of heaven experiencing that place with no pain, right? The intensity of the glory that you will be standing in will be so much more intense than the intensity of your worst suffering in your lifetime. The glory will be so good that you will gladly experience the suffering again if that's what it takes to get you to this glory. Amen. That is the sure hope. I do not know a mother who looks at their son or daughter and says, 
I wish I never went through the pain of that labor. Well, I mean, maybe in those heated moments. But I'm talking about over a whole lifetime. You know what I mean? Mothers are saints, but they're also broken too. They have their moments. I only hear from the heart of a mother, I would do that all over again to stand in this glory of having you, my daughter and my son. Now, I also hear mothers saying, I got plenty of glory. I'm not doing it anymore. You know what I mean? (laughs) But what an incredible example. See, every time that we lose hope and suffering, we can remember a mother's willingness to endure the birth of a baby and take hope that when we stand in the glory of heaven, it will be greater than a mother who holds her newborn baby right in her bosom. Oh, that's going to be a wonderful day. It is worth it. Now, as a quick point before we move on to the second reason that we are given to help us endure, I'm very grateful how Paul breaks it down here from verse 18 to 24. He's, he's as clear about how brutal and painful it is to live in this world of suffering as he's clear about how wonderful the glory will be. And I think there is a wonderful health and balance there that we all could learn from. See, some of us, we only sit in the weight of our suffering. And we actually spend too much time in suffering. We are too consumed by its intensity. We are challenged by God daily and in this scripture to spend more time in his very real hope and believing in and looking for the signs in our life right now that the future glory is real. See, we are to worship God for his victory over suffering and that he has made a way for us to have a very sure future of glory as much as we are to mourn and lament to God over the pains of our suffering. That's a healthy follower of Jesus. See, some of us, we only focus on the glory that is coming, and we try to minimize and ignore and stuff the suffering of our lives or others' lives. Paul's words to us would have us sort of wake up to the pain that is actually in our soul, the pain that we're trying to stuff, and and wake up to the pain in other people's souls. I mean, would you ever try to minimize a mother's cry of pain in the midst of labor? Paul says... All of creation groans as in the pain of childbirth. That's all of creation, not just us humans. We live in a culture of death and decay that we were not created to live in. And we cannot escape the fact that death is just around the corner for all of us. And every suffering that we experience before death is a foretaste, an appetizer of death itself. There's this collective groaning that we we must get in touch with and we must stay in touch with it's a longing as paul says in verse 23 a longing for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering this longing this waiting that's the central characteristic of this advent christmas season of all humanity waiting and longing for god to come into our suffering That's the baby Jesus who was willing to say, I'm not going to stay just in the glory. My people are suffering. I'm going to enter into it. And he chose into a life to endure the suffering, to walk with us in the suffering. And now that Jesus has been born and died and rose and he's given us his spirit, now we are collectively longing to be released for Jesus to come again and to eliminate the devil and all evil and suffering. There is a longing to be freed from pain. 
Often, the people who do not enter into groaning have the privilege to enjoy the best of this world, and they have dulled themselves to much lesser glory. They have deceived themselves to thinking that this is the best, and so they avoid that natural groaning that is in their own souls. They, they talk it away. They brush it aside. They'll use religious platitudes. God's good. I'm good. They, they spend it away. They consume it as much as they can. They eat it away. They, they entertain it away to numb up the groaning. And yet death will come for them as well. And if they put their hope in the glory of this world... That's all the glory that they will ever receive. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I was with the elders of our West L.A. church, and we were in an intense discussion, trying to figure some things out. But it was kind of a heady discussion. You know, we were just trying to figure out some the theology, if you will. And towards the end of the discussion, I started to make a statement. And I was just in this headspace. I was making a statement, and it was part of the discussion, and I just said... It's hard to teach on the entire Bible today because people do not like what the entire Bible has to say about money, politics, race, sex. And my posture going into the statement, like I said, it was just in the headspace. I was saying it as part of a larger discussion. But as I finished the statement, all of a sudden I just started to cry and it absolutely shocked me. And at first I tried to quench it like, what, what, where is this coming from? But I knew all of a sudden that it was the Spirit of God. And the elders in the room, they recognized it, and all of a sudden just kind of stopped, and they just started to pray. And they got around me to pray, and they gave me permission to sort of go with it. And they kind of let it out, and boy, did I start to cry. And it was like a, it was like a cry both outside and inside of me. And, 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 and my entire body just started to get rigid in intensity. There was pain. I could just feel pain in my body, in my mind, in my heart. I could feel this deep spirit of God groaning. And it was like I was feeling the grief of God that people do not love him. I could just feel this acute, how much he is grieving and groaning that people do not love Jesus, but kind of want to be their own God. It just started to overwhelm me a little bit. And man, I, you know, the, the elders, they were so great. They didn't like give the little platitudes or try to shut it down. They just prayed and just let it go. Verse 26 in our text says, We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in, his, in words. And I felt that in a moment. I, I, I had no words to pray, and I could tell that if I opened my mouth, words wouldn't come out, I would just start screaming. But we were in somebody's apartment, and I was cognizant of that, that like, this is a lot of thin walls, and I don't want to sound like a madman. So I just cried it out, and I'm shaking in my body. And when it was all done, I don't know how long it was, it felt long, you know, but I drove home that night with no music. I was just in this silence, and I was in awe that... I got a glimpse of God and his spirit groaning of the pain and the suffering that causes his people to move away from him. And then help inviting me and the elders into a place of groaning with him. You see, sometimes an encounter with Jesus is going to be an encounter with his love and his peace and his joy, but sometimes it's going to be an encounter with his groanings. All right, this leads us to the second reason that we can and must endure in our suffering. 
Verse 20, and I promise now we're getting to the good stuff, okay? Sink into the tough parts. Verse 23 says, We have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. See, when we give our lives to Jesus, and this is only those who put their hope in Jesus, remember, all people are created in God's image. Only those who worship Jesus are given the Spirit of Jesus. We're given the Holy Spirit of God. It's, it's a foretaste, an appetizer, a down payment on the full glory that is coming later. So as we sort of encounter the living God in this realm of suffering, in his spirit, we're strengthened to hold on for the main entree, the buffet of glory that is coming in the future. Verse 26 also says about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, in our sufferings. So the spirit of the living God is both a helper to get through our suffering and an appetizer to keep us focused on the coming glory. It is why it is so crucial that we pursue the Spirit and put ourselves in a place where the Spirit can catch us and fill us and consume us. See, we've got to be in our word to be clear in our minds because we have to know what is the Spirit of God and what is counterfeit spirits that's trying to distract me and get me away from God, right? But then we've got to go beyond the mind space into the heart and the soul. We've got to go beyond understanding of who God is to encountering the living God, right? If you've, and if you've ever had, and I bet you all of us here could say we've had a moment when the Spirit of God is just manifested in your life, you know what I mean when I say when, that, when the Spirit is all over you, in that moment, you've got just enough to get through the season of suffering. It just takes one moment, let alone if you have multiple right? When you come into the house of God or come into a a life group or come into a, and you're in great pain and suffering and dejection and, and you throw yourself into the arms of the Spirit and give yourself in worship and receive prayer, that Holy Spirit comes over you in peace, in strength, in joy, in tears of happiness, in lightness of your muscles. Even if the suffering is still going to happen in your life, you're ready to endure. It's enough. In one particular six-month stretch of sickness that I was in, I'm at the sixth month, and I mean, I'm, I'm in my prayer room early in the morning, and sleep was so difficult in those times, I always had to get up and go rush to the bathroom, and for months, I had just been showing up with Jesus just to show up, but I had no strength, so I would literally just show up, I would put on worship music, and I'd sit there, and I'd be like, I'm here, Lord, I, it's all, I'm just here. I'm like a, a sick patient on your operating table, like I'm knocked out, just help me. I had strength to pray, didn't have strength to read my Bible, I was just sitting there. Some mornings I had enough strength to, to really cry out for help. Some mornings I had enough strength to get angry at God, and I'd be screaming and yelling at God, following the model of the Psalms of anger that David would cry out to God. And I'd always end that anger time after I got out my anger and sometimes those, those hot tears why am I still sick, right? How can you be so good if I'm still sick? I would end it, and I would breathe, and then I would say, but I trust you. Jesus, you know better for me, and I own up to the fact that me and all the human race, we deserve all the suffering in this life. You chose into our suffering when you didn't deserve it, and so I trust you. You have integrity to let me suffer because you suffered. I worship you. Help me to endure. Thank you for being a God that can take my anger and my temper tantrums. 
Well, then one day, one morning, I just found myself, after all these months of just not connecting or being angry or being sad, I just found myself just saying over and over again, I miss you, Jesus. I miss you, Jesus. I miss the love of my life. And all of a sudden, as I'm saying that, the worship music that was just in the background all of a sudden gets really loud. What I mean by that is not that like God like supernaturally turned up the volume. It was like what was just in the background of my mind all of a sudden is in me. And the words, and I find myself sort of getting up out of my chair. I find myself for a good 15 minutes just being able to like feel strength in my body. And I'm just worshiping God. I can feel all of his strength on me, his love, his peace, his joy. I'm happy in him. And boy, I carried that the rest of the day. And you know what? By the end of the day, all the sickness came back. But I was ready to endure for the next couple months. One moment of the Spirit of God. Mm. I've got one more reason. I'm going to shorten it because I'm running out of time here. But I just, I want to say something that's not in my notes because I'm feeling it. Many of us have been in suffering for a year, two years. We have got this grinding suffering. The COVID stuff, family stuff, career stuff, relationship stuff. And what's happened is, is we have just gotten in survival mode and we have numbed ourselves up. And even when we come into the presence of God, we are afraid to let it open to him because we are afraid that it's going to get too painful and too messy. And I want to tell you right now that the spirit of God is given so that you can be freed from that fear. That you can, yeah, it's going to get messy in the short run, but it's, it's like we have a spiritual tumor in our soul that has been growing, and we're just so afraid to own up to it. We don't want to get cut open, and we don't want, but if we just put ourselves in a vulnerable place before Jesus, if we stop sort of, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm just sort of in this place, God, I'm here, and if we just get messy with him and let him open us up, all of a sudden he's going to take that thing out. And it's no longer going to affect our souls and our minds. But there's a courage to trust God that he will not open up the wound unless he wants to heal it. That's the only reason why. He's not trying to make it worse. He's just really trying to get it out. And as we go into worship here, I want to just ask us, just bring the suffering. Let the Spirit of God come in. Because if you walk out of here with just a taste, you will endure for months. The last reason that we're given in Scripture in verse 28, it is, I think, the best of them all. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called to his purpose for them. We know that God causes everything to work together. He's talking about all suffering, right? If you want to memorize one verse of Scripture, memorize Romans 8, 28. And I mean, put it in your hearts. This is amazing. Even though we are the ones that have created this whole world of suffering, our rebellion to God and other people's rebellion to God, he is so good. Not only has he forgiven us for all of our mistakes, but now he said, okay, everything that you try to do to each other, everything the devil tries to do to you to harm you, if you trust in me, I will flip that around so that it'll actually be used for good for your life. Let that sink in for a second. I, I haven't, I, I mean, at this point in my life, after following Jesus for 30 years, I, I can't count the amount of testimonies I've heard 
from especially older followers of Jesus, and they're all essentially the same thing. Their testimony is like this. I can see now, after following Jesus and giving my life to him for all these years, that he now has taken that moment when I was raped, and now I can see how he's turned that pain around and using it for the good in my life. I can't believe how many people I've been able to help through their own rape experience through this. I've heard that testimony. People say, now I can see how all the pain from not having a father, having a, an abusive father, the bullying that I endured, the addiction that consumed me for so long, I can see now how Jesus is actually using all of that trauma and suffering for my good in this stage of my life. That's incredible. That is a promise that is almost, I don't understand it sometimes when I hear people like, how? Because I haven't gone through all the suffering that I hear. And I'm, I think, boy, if I went through your suffering, I'd be, a, I'd be a mess. And you're standing here saying, Jesus has turned that into good for me. That is amazing. It's the great testimony of Joseph, who, after being sold as a teenager into slavery, trafficked to another country, falsely accused of rape, suffered in a horrible prison. At the end of his life, he said, all that was meant for evil for me, God used for good. Whoa. This is one of the greatest promises that God can give us, and only Jesus can give us this promise. Other religious leaders and philosophers, they can claim that they can do it, or that their belief system will lead you into this kind of process, promise, but only Jesus actually embraced and lived in the worst sufferings of our world. He absorbed a torturous death. He rose from that death three days later. And now that death that gave him so much suffering is also what makes him have the name above all other names. The death that gave him so much suffering is now the thing that made him king of all kings. And so now the, the death is the doorway to the best life in Jesus and now the suffering of death is like the pain of labor that actually is used for a greater good, for great life. So that means those of us who hope in Jesus, who walk with Jesus in our suffering, we, we, like he takes his promises, he will take everything that is a stumbling block in your life and he'll turn into a stepping stone for more life. Whoa! If we can courageously embrace and endure suffering with Jesus, we will start to see suffering like storm clouds. See, and when you think about it, it doesn't matter how dark those clouds get. It doesn't matter how cold it gets. It doesn't matter how hard it rains or how loud that thunder is. There is not a storm in this world that can even alter or change an ounce the purpose of the sun. That sun will do what the sun will do. And when that storm finally passes, the sun will do something beautiful with all the water that's left behind. That is the promise of Jesus. He does not promise to take the suffering away, but he promises to turn it into a greater glory. He promises it, right? The greatest good that he will make of our suffering is turning it into us becoming more like Jesus. Can't even get into that right now. Worship team, get up here. I'm getting, I'm just, I, I gotta, I just, I just talked to a good friend of mine last week. And I've, I've been with this friend for a long time. And this friend, mom, came, came to the States as an undocumented immigrant and had to deal with all the craziness of crossing, hiding, then trying to build a life in the shadows, dealt with grinding poverty, the, the, the father of my friend 
left the family, so she was a single mother for a while, grinding poverty. Then she finally remarries, and the man she remarries cheats on her. She works it out and, and brings him back for a second go-around. And now she's in her late 60s and just found out like a year ago that her husband's cheating on her again. And this time she's like, you're done. And so he's gone. And here she is living in a one-bedroom in her late 60s. And I have been walking with my friend to this, praying with him for his mom. And I saw him last week and I said, how is your mom doing? It's been a year now since all this craziness. And he said, Chris, my mom is more in love with Jesus. She is more joyful in Jesus than she's ever been in her life. She is more steady with Jesus than I've ever seen in her life. And I, I stepped back, I'm like, how is that possible? It's possible because of Jesus' commitment to turn every ounce of suffering into something good, to walk with us in our suffering, to give us his Holy Spirit, to strengthen us, to endure the suffering. That is his promise. This past year has been as hard for me as for you all in many ways. I've had those dark, dark nights, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., thinking crazy. But I will tell you that it's being in the Scripture, being around the people of God that helped me into the Spirit of God, and then remembering how He has turned my suffering from a long time ago into good that's helped me stay in the game, stay joyful in Jesus. That is the promise and the hope for Christmas. Right there, as this week, right? Boy, if we could get that trust of Jesus in our suffering, could we give that to our family this next week? All the gifts and the food that we're going to do, that's great. But our families, we're all suffering. What our families desperately need is somebody to say, I know how to handle the suffering and find joy and hope. I know. Pray with me. Let's get into the presence of a very good God who's walking with us right now as we speak, who loves us, who's going to turn it all into good if we surrender it to him. Oh, I cannot wait to hear all of your testimonies at the end of your life. It's what he's going to do. So as we worship, we had some folks that uh, prayed together this morning, and we're going to have them uh, come up and be on the sides, and they're going to be praying for us. Over here, we had some words about physical suffering, uh, particularly backs that Jesus wants to heal. But, so if you've got problems with your back, we want you to go over here. Chase is going to be over here, and some other people might be praying. Any kind of physical suffering. See, that's just the beauty of Jesus. We could just keep bringing him our suffering. He wants to heal. He wants to open it up so he can heal. But then there's emotional suffering. There's family suffering. We want to just bring that worship to Jesus. This is why, man, I'm telling you, church, you come at 11.30, you come in this space and you give yourself to musical worship and you put all your suffering in the hands of Jesus and you just sing and you just take in the Spirit of God. It's all you'll need for the week. I mean, you, you just get a real experience of Jesus. But if you need to come get prayer, you can share as much or as little as you want. There'll be people right over here praying for you. Let's, get, let's help each other into this hope. Let's help each other endure in this season. Stand with me, would you? you've won you've overcome 
Lord Jesus, we want to be people that are as honest about the pain as we are honest about the victory. We want to be a people that can celebrate you, can honor you, can worship you, can receive life from you even in the midst of suffering. Hear our groanings. Come and comfort us, Lord Jesus. Come and bring hope. Come and bring promise as we worship. Bring to memory suffering that you've already redeemed, the ways you've already helped us endure. Come, Lord Jesus. We need you this Christmas. We need the gift of your Spirit more than anything else this Christmas. Jesus, give us the courage to stop just keeping you at, at arm's length. Help us to open up our heart to you right now. Give us the courage to trust you, to just come and receive your love, Lord Jesus, that we would be hungry for you more than we're hungry to escape the suffering. Come, Lord Jesus. You're good. We love you. Come and be with us. If we know you're with us, we can endure anything. You're all that we need. Come, Lord Jesus. You are matchless in grace and mercy. There is nowhere we can hide from your love. You are steadfast, never failing. 